It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 178 for January 31st, recorded on January 29th. And the temperature is an even smaller number. You are, I hope, sitting down. This is the date and the time when I said I would announce the winner of the great antivirus shootout. I said it would be a surprise, and indeed, it is. Let me put it this way. I am in awe of what Symantec developers have accomplished with the code for the latest version of Norton Internet Security. I used Norton Antivirus in the early days of computers, at least the desktop type, but then it became too big, too bloated, and too slow. It caused even fast computers in those days to crawl. For much of the last decade, I have used AVG antivirus. But AVG has added a whole suite of protective applications, and those applications brought my computer to its knees. After trying and removing other applications, some of which looked really promising and quite interesting at first, I downloaded Norton Internet Security 2010 on Sunday, January 17th for a 30-day trial. I had to provide a credit card number, and if I don't opt out, Norton will charge about $70 to that card in mid-February. I have no plans to opt out. No plans to opt out. I'm going to keep Norton Internet Security. And don't get too worked up about that $70 price. I'll explain that in a minute. The instant I removed Bitdefender's application and installed Norton Internet Security, it was like I had a new computer. One of my primary complaints with all of the applications I tried is that they got in the way of my using the computer. It wasn't solely their fault, but every other application severely exacerbated the problem. One of the things Norton Internet Security does with this version is provide a graph of how much system resources it's using. And frequently, that amount is really small. But doesn't $70 a year seem a little steep to you? For a single computer, yes, it would be. If you have just one computer, you can license a single-user version for less than $30. The $70 fee covers three computers, and that's what I have, a desktop and two notebooks. $23 per computer. Sounds pretty reasonable. Perhaps the most important new feature is what Symantec calls Quorum. It's the protective engine that examines files without seriously affecting system performance. Earlier versions of the application protected the computer, but also rendered it virtually unusable. Quorum changes all that by cataloging trusted files. Quorum looks at the files on your computer and examines what they do on the computer and when connecting to the Internet. It then compares this behavior to the behavior reported by Norton Internet Security on millions of other computers. To see Quorum's report on a file, you simply right-click the file from the Windows Explorer and select Norton File Insight. And yes, your computer will report what files are doing on your computer. You can opt out of the system, but I have to wonder why you would want to do that. Starting with Internet Security 2009, Symantec's advertisements admitted that earlier versions of the application had speed problems. Now, what doesn't always place one's full trust in a company's advertising platform, but they're telling the truth this time. 
Norton Internet Security increases boot time slightly, but no more than any of the other applications I looked at. Opening websites is just as fast with Norton Internet Security installed. Now, that's pretty impressive. I didn't see much difference when it came to manipulating files from the Windows Explorer or when compressing or decompressing files. In other words, it would seem that Norton's reputation as a resource hog is no longer deserved. In fact, as I mentioned, Norton Internet Security 2010 even includes information about how many system resources it is using. So they paid attention to the complaints, and they did something about the complaints. Now Norton provides the same good security it's always been known for without turning your computer into a pet rock. Symantec is the biggest dog on the block, and the company knows about millions of files and what they are expected to do. That's what Quorum is based on. If a file is on a lot of computers and is behaving normally, the application considers it to be trusted. This is particularly clever, because most current threats constantly mutate to avoid signature-based detection. That's the way most antivirus programs work. But that works in Quorum's favor and your favor, and it mitigates threats from that kind of malware. Norton Internet Security also examines all POP3 email for spam and viruses, and yes, that does slow down email downloads, but not as much as with competing applications. I didn't test Norton Internet Security's parental controls, in part because my youngest daughter is 25 years old, and in part because I feel that the entire concept is silly. But from what I've seen, the parental controls in this version are at least among the best of the batch. By default, Norton installs a toolbar in Internet Explorer, and if you're still using Internet Explorer, I have to wonder why, and in Firefox, but it doesn't do this with other browsers such as Chrome, Opera, or Safari. It adds icons to search results so that you can see whether the URL is safe, suspicious, or dangerous. Alternatively, you can use the optional Norton Safe Search on their toolbar, which highlights search results in yellow for suspicious or red for dangerous. Identity Safe stores and manages passwords and other information in the form of identity cards. This doesn't have all the features of an application such as KeePass, but it's available at all times from either of the two primary browsers. So I consider it a worthwhile feature. After a long and frustrating search, Norton Internet Security is the application I have decided to pay for. And you might wonder how good support is. In my opinion, unfortunately, it's not very good. The built-in documentation is sorely lacking. Here's an example of why and how. I noticed that the icon in the tray or notification area is normally round with a green checkmark in a circle. I took this to mean that everything is okay. But sometimes it mutates into a shape that reminds me of a pineapple. The check mark remains. I had to wonder, what does this mean? You can see examples of both icons enlarged quite a bit on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. I think the icons should be illustrated in the online documentation. They're not. I also think the icons should be illustrated on the Symantec website. I couldn't find any illustrations of the icons. So, from the support site, I sent an email question to support, explaining the appearance. The first response seemed to think I was seeing an icon that would indicate Norton Internet Security 2010 had been turned off. I explained, again, that Norton Internet Security was on, and that it was okay, but that the icon looked like a pineapple. 
The second response from support described the standard icon, the icon that indicates attention is needed, and the icon that shows that Norton Internet Security is out of service. I explained, once again, that I was asking about a pineapple-shaped icon, and I sent a screenshot showing the icon in question. Well, unfortunately, the support staff cannot receive images. They consider this a security issue, the third response said, and I was told to start an online chat session. After waiting nearly 15 minutes for a technician, I was welcomed to the chat session, which started the same way the email session had gone. So I asked if they have a way to view my screen. Symantec uses LogMeInRescue. This is a program I'm familiar with. And the technician looked at my screen. The icon is normal, was the diagnosis, and so it was. The icon in the tray was the standard round icon with a little check mark in a green circle. But I had a screen capture. Look at this, I said, and I directed the technician's attention to the screen capture that I opened. That is not the Norton icon. It is a screenshot, the technician said, and it has nothing to do with Norton. PC is safe. I responded by saying, well, it is the Norton icon. I understand the PC is safe. The green check is present. What I'm trying to find out is why the icon sometimes takes on this shape. I understand this is an odd question, but I'm reviewing the application for a published review. The technician responded with, okay, I have to consult my supervisor. Apparently, the supervisor knows a little more about how the program works. Two minutes later, the technician came back and said, It happens when you early load is on and the PC is turned to silent mode. I responded, I have never used silent mode, although I did read about it in the docs. Early load, uh, I'm not sure. If it's not the default, though, I haven't used it yet either. The technician said yes, but whenever the system is left idle, it goes into that mode and it is the feature of Norton. Okay, I said, and it doesn't revert to the normal icon until after a reboot? Yes, was the response from the technician. Well, now that seems absurd, but I let it go. If an application switches modes because of an activity or lack of activity, then it should switch back as the circumstances change. Still, once I'm in the pineapple mode, Norton Internet Security stays in that mode until I reboot or until I open the Norton Internet Security settings panel and change the settings. Two days later, I received a survey from Symantec wondering how the support session went. I responded by explaining what I just told you. We'll see if I hear anything from them. I had started waiting for a technician around 4.45 one afternoon. The chat session started shortly before 5. The screen-sharing session, according to timestamps, began at 5.12 and terminated at 5.39. So obtaining a partial answer to what should have been a very simple question stretched over more than a week three email exchanges, and nearly an hour of online support time. Not so good in that regard. But Norton Internet Security still hits a home run and earns four cats. After a long dry spell, Cymatic has what I consider to be the definitive protective application. Unlike everything else I tried, Norton Internet Security didn't bog the system down. The system settings aren't as complete as I'd like, but superior protection combined with limited use of system resources seems like a winner to me. For more information, you can visit the Norton website, and you'll find a link to that from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Have you ever tried to remove a program using the application's built-in uninstaller or the Windows Add and Remove Programs feature? Most of the time, it works pretty well. Sometimes it fails, though. 
Even when it succeeds, though, you'll often be left with a few pieces of the program in a directory or some references in the registry. There's a better way to get rid of programs. The Revo Uninstaller. It's the little brother of the Revo Uninstaller Pro. After you install Revo Uninstaller, the program will show you icons of all the programs installed on your machine. You can change the view to a standard list or a details option. When you have Windows uninstall a program, you'll usually have some leftovers. Revo's developer says the application will find those bits and remove them. How true is this claim, I wondered. To find out, I installed the free version of Revo and looked around for something to remove. That turned out to be pretty easy. The Ask toolbar had been installed by something, and I didn't want it. Now, to be quite clear about this, there is nothing wrong with the Ask toolbar, except that it was installed without my knowledge or permission. Several applications do this. In this case, I believe it was Nero that did it. I don't use it. It takes up screen real estate. It was installed surreptitiously. Three strikes. It's out. Revo Uninstaller found it as one of 123 applications that had been installed on the computer. I selected it from the list and clicked Uninstall. The default was moderate mode. You get several choices with the Revo Uninstaller. I selected advanced just to make sure all possible remnants would be removed, including directories and registry entries. Revo created a system restore point. Good choice. This is wise. If something goes wrong, you can restore the system to the point just before you ran the Revo Uninstaller. It then examined the application and launched the application's own uninstaller. In this case, the Ask Uninstaller failed, and Revo continued. Then Revo examined the registry. The Ask toolbar had an absurd 219 registry entries. It told the application to remove all of them. After deleting the unnecessary registry keys, Revo showed me a list of directories with leftover program components. I told Revo to remove those, too. Now, it's a good idea in both of these cases to look very carefully at the lists just to make sure that it doesn't list something other than what you want to uninstall. A few moments later, the process was complete, and the Ask toolbar no longer took up any space in my web browser. Revo also includes an auto-run manager that lets you specify which application should start when Windows starts. Additionally, Revo provides quick access to a number of Windows tools. And you'll find several other cleaning tools that may or may not be useful. I'm not really a big fan of cleaner tools because they often clean too much. In Hunter mode, the Revo uninstaller minimizes to the taskbar so you can remove an application from the desktop. Point to an icon, choose to uninstall, disable the process in the startup list, kill its process, open the containing folder, perform a Google search, or examine its properties. This turns out not to be a very useful feature for me, because I don't keep any applications on the desktop. Bottom line, for cats, it is a quick and free way to take out the trash. Revo Uninstaller carefully removes a program by using the Applications Uninstaller, and then it cleans up any leftover registry entries or directories. The fact that it's free makes it even better. For more information, visit the Revo website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. This was the big week for Apple, the iPad. That's the best name they could think of? What is wrong in Cupertino? Instead of the usual adulation, although there is plenty of that around, Apple's latest gadget is being met with abuse, satire, and derision. 
the iPad will probably fly off store shelves once it's on store shelves, but I have to wonder what engineering was thinking of when they decided to make a computer-sized phone in the shape of a tablet computer, and what marketing was thinking about when they came up with the name. The name has two problems. First, it's just too cute. iPad looks like an overgrown iPod. And Apple really didn't need the cutesy name to make that point. It is painfully obvious. The second thing wrong with the name is that Mad TV came up with the name for a fake product years ago. Mad TV isn't even on anymore. It was a product that women could wear internally. Did anybody at Apple perform a Google search before choosing this name? As for engineering, who do they think will want an iPod that's the size of a notebook and doesn't do anything more than an iPod does? The iPad runs on an operating system that's far closer to the operating system used on the iPhone and the iPod than OS X, which is the operating system that powers Apple's computers. That means the applications you would want to run on the iPad, were it really a computer, won't run on the iPad because it's actually just an overgrown iPod. What a disappointment. I mentioned the abuse. The Onion, a satirical news outlet, said that Apple CEO Steve Jobs, and I quote here, stayed up all night Tuesday in a desperate effort to design Apple's new tablet computer. (laughs) If you want to see the Mad TV clip, and it's about 90 seconds long, there's a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And I do have to warn you, it's more than a little suggestive. So don't click the link if you think you're going to be offended. And graphic artists, the very people who are key to Apple's continued success, seem to be poking fun at both the iPad and Steve Jobs. There are some images on the TechBiter Worldwide website that you might like to see. According to Apple, the iPad is, and I quote, a revolutionary device for browsing the web, reading and sending email, enjoying photos, watching videos, listening to music, playing games, reading e-books, and much more. In other words, I'm no longer quoting Apple here, it's an overgrown iPod. The iPad is half an inch thick, weighs a little less than two pounds. The most basic model will cost $500. It'll be available in late March. You can see a picture of it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, a real picture of the real iPad. And for more details, you'll want to visit Apple's website. In short circuits, it seems that they've done it again. Microsoft was criticized, and rightly so, about a year ago when it started installing a Net Framework edition in Mozilla Firefox without asking for permission to do so. To make things worse, the installation was botched so that removing it wasn't particularly easy. I have disabled it, I have uninstalled it, and it keeps coming back. Stop it already, Microsoft! I have nothing in particular against Net Framework. After all, it's the underlying application for a system we use at the office. We use it to allow secure VPN-like connections across the public Internet. What I do resent just a bit is Microsoft's decision that my copy of Firefox should have Net Framework installed, whether I want it or not. The latest version was released in December of 2009. So, listen, Microsoft... I really don't need Net Framework in Firefox. I have quite enough extensions as it is, and I wish you'd keep your fingers out of my browser. Uh, but, but hold it. It may not be entirely Microsoft. If you have any application that uses Microsoft Net Framework components installed on your computer, Microsoft apparently thinks it's okay to shoehorn the Microsoft Net Framework Assistant into Firefox. Or, 
The company may not be the sole culprit. If you install an application that relies on Net Framework, that application may install without your permission or knowledge the Net Framework Assistant in Firefox. So allow me to rephrase my complaint. Listen, developers, if you want to install something on my computer, anything more than what I have explicitly given you permission to install, ask me first. Speaking of Microsoft, Microsoft's earnings are up and not by just a little. The company says earnings increased 60% in the most recent quarter compared to the same period a year ago. Apparently, holiday shopping and upgrade fever helped out now that Vista is finally out of the picture. Net income in the fourth quarter was $6.7 billion. Much of the growth was in the Windows division, where revenue was up 70%. Sales of Office products were flat, though, probably because people are waiting for the new version of Office. Office 10 is in beta now. It'll begin shipping later this year. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.